Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hello, come welcome everybody. All right, we have a phenomenal show for you today. We're going to be bringing in our special guest here in a few minutes, Mr. Tim Ekstrom from the Royal Star. Before we get going, though, I want to welcome everybody. Thank you all for joining us today on our podcast. It's going to be a really good one. I hope you're all excited about it as I am. I am super excited to have this as a guest on our podcast here today. Tim's a wealth of knowledge, and we're going to have a really good time kicking back and talking to him for a while. The, the hour is going to fly by for me, and, and I know it will for all of you. But before we get going, gang, Pacific Sport Fishing Alliance is our number one sponsor for our Friday special guest podcast. I want you to make sure you go over there and check out Pacific Sport Fishing Alliance. Check out Larry and the boys over there. They got some great trips coming up. They got a charter, limited load charter coming up on the success. You can see all that. Just grab that QR code right there on the bottom of the screen. Hit it with your phone. Go over there and check everything out. And then uh, I believe Larry's getting ready to launch a contest. He's up in Alaska right now at the lodge up there. But we're going to launch a contest. So make sure you check out Pacific Sport Fishing Alliance and all the cool things they have to offer us as fishermen. And uh, we're going to get going here in just a second, gang. I'm going to welcome in Tim Ekstrom from the Royal Star and so many other things. You'll be blown away by all the things that he's involved in. So, hey, Tim, welcome. Thanks for joining us today. Good afternoon. I'm so glad to be here. What a great opportunity. Oh, my gosh. My dad just thought of you as just whenever you were on the radio, whenever you were talking on Pete's show or everything, my dad would always, and I, I have a problem with shutting up, as you know. And he would just say, shut up. It's Tim. I got to hear what he's got to say, which I, I know you loved my father a lot, but to have my father say, hey, I got to listen to Tim, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, it was a huge honor. I mean, it's an honor to know him. And, and you know, for for whatever reason, you know, there's those people in the world that you just have a like an automatic connection with. Like the, from the first time I met your dad, you know, he's just one of those kind of, he's just one of those people that, that you know, we just were simpatico. You know, he, he, he was really good. You know, speaking of a wealth of knowledge, I mean, he was the well of knowledge. And, and he was so politically adept and and so gifted in, in, in just his ability to communicate directly. I, I really learned a lot from him. I didn't, you know, relatively speaking, I didn't spend that much time in his company. But, you know, again, he's one of those people that, that just had such talent that if you pay attention, you learn an awful lot of in, in, in a short period of time. Oh, it was unbelievable the way he was able to know both sides and what they were going to say before they ever said it. When I went to the meetings with them, I was like, how did you already know what they were going to say? He knew both sides. He was so he was phenomenal at that political thing. Yeah. And he was really good at navigating it without, you know, I mean, he, he you, you can't you're always on one side of the one side of the line or the other. And he was he just did a great job of 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 stating his positions of, of maintaining and, and, and in doing so building consensus, maintaining the peace. I mean, he just had a gift for it. He, that's of course why he was such an accomplished individual. He was, he was, uh, 
he was, again, I, I feel very, very fortunate to have had the amount of time to, to, in his company that I did. And I learned a hell of a lot from him. That's for sure. Oh my gosh. Thank you. So did I, the thing most people don't understand. I know you do and the industry does, but if it wasn't for all the work that he did in the back, this industry would have been not here right now because you remember what it was like in 2013, 2014. And we, they took our bluefin away. You remember we were allowed to have this many zero gang. You don't understand. We were allowed to have zero. My father flew all over the world fighting to make sure. And can you imagine if we couldn't have any bluefin right now, Tim? You know, actually, no, I can't imagine that because I can't imagine the premise of it. I couldn't imagine the result of it. I mean, the result is, is we'd be out of business, you know what I mean? Or, or we'd be, you know, depending on lizard fish or whatever the heck, you know what I mean? There's like there's as far as offshore game fish it really would have been a very very tough cycle for us it, it's happened to coincide with this this you know dearth of albacore that that who knows if southern california waters you know northern ba is ever going to see albacore again who who knows you know you i i keep telling myself that it's inevitable it's a cycle it's it's you know, it was basically on a 10 year cycle, but obviously that's been blown up here now. I mean, this is a whole new phenomenon we're witnessing to this with this bluefin cycle, but thank goodness for them. And I got to tell you, I, I'm sure some of the other guests this year have talked about it, that the volume of bluefin this year, again, it, it's just stunning. You know, like I don't even know how to describe how much fish we're looking at at times. And this is between Catalina and San Clemente, you know, between San Nicolas and where we would, you know, you see a school and number one, you, you, it's up on the surface. It's what we call a breezer, a big flat spot. And you see, a, you see a spot of fish and it's so big that you don't know if you're looking at a spot of fish. I mean, it covers a mile, like a square mile, one school of fish. And you, you can't believe it's all fish. You know, you're looking at it going, is that a breezer? Like it, it can't be. And then, you know, you'll see a fish flipping or whatever. And you, you, you get up to it you start driving into it and there's 30 fathoms of fish on the fathom meter, right? So there's 180 feet thick of fish and you drive and you drive and you drive and you drive. And I mean, for a half a mile you drive and there's never less than 30 fathoms of fish under the boat. And it's just, you know, the sonar is completely, it looks like you're going to hit the bottom. I mean, how much fish is that? You know what I mean? Who, who knows? We had just last week, um, the pilot drew, he was up in the air in the afternoon. He was, he was working for some other guys, but we were, we were talking on the radio and he says, he said, I see 15,000 tons of fish around you guys right now. 15,000 tons just in the area that we were in there, you know, by the snail up there. I mean, and meanwhile, all these guys are clobbering them 60 miles to the South of us. And there's guys seeing giant schools, 15 miles to the Northwest of that. And I mean, it's just like, what an incredible, incredible cycle. Thank goodness for it. Going back to it, you know, could you imagine us looking at this much bluefin and not being able to keep one? <laughs> keep any. And that was one of the things that people don't understand how hard my father was fighting. His boats, his boat, his fleet of boats in Dana Point, it really wasn't going to benefit him in any way, shape or form. But you know what? He knew that he needed to get in there and get dirty and nasty and get in there and make sure that we had this fish. Yeah, I was a, yeah, I was a big part of that too. You know, I mean, it was, it was, again, it was one of those pull out all the stops, you know, it was, it was, 
it was the Alamo for us, you know, if you will. And, and, and fortunately, fortunately, I, I, I'll, I'll tell you, at the time, you know, cutting back from five a day to two a day, you know, from 15 total to six total, even at that time, I was satisfied with that because, you know, I, I've, 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 my history, if, if you know, and, 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 and everybody watching knows, you know, I've, I've, I'm very environmentally conscious. I mean, I'm a fisherman. I, I go out and I, we, we, we catch fish, we take fish. I want to catch them. But at the same time, I'm, I'm, I'm very aware that, that we need to be, we need to be forward thinking about maintaining the, the, the health of the resource. And, and, you know, the number one way we do that is by not taking or keeping more than we need so i was real satisfied with with six bluefin on a, on a say on a three-day trip or eight-day trip whatever or two bluefin in a day that's enough and it's still enough and i know there's been talk going around that you know the bluefin is in such it's in such good shape that they're going to increase the commercial quotas potentially and they're even talking about potentially increasing the 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 the, the recreational limit we don't need to we don't I mean, six is enough. It, if you, if an angler goes out there, especially with the size, most of this fish is, you know, I mean, somebody goes out there and catches six or, you know, 300 pounders, man, that's, that's, that's a huge amount of fish and, and, and you know, more than enough to, to justify the, the, you know, the, the whole endeavor, as far as I'm concerned, it's plenty to share with family and friends for a good long time. Oh yeah. And you know, as you know, bluefin are great raw. They don't cook very well, though. They're not a real good cooking fish. Yeah, as long as you, I mean, I, I you'd probably, I, I'm, I'm a big fish eater myself, my whole family. I mean, they've been raised on it. I love canning it. I, I do my own home canning. Bluefin in the jar is just incredible because it's got a higher oil content. It's incredible. But if you do cook it, which we do plenty, you know, stir fry, whatever, it's just, you just can't overcook it. You know, you almost have to. You almost have to. Have, it, you got to stop cooking it when it's still a little raw in the center. Otherwise, you know, it's 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 overcooked in one minute. Right. So, Tim, we we got we got way ahead of ourselves, and I like to start the show off kind of giving everybody because we got a lot of lot of audience back east that don't know who you are. We got a lot of audience in Texas don't know who you are. The West Coast, we know you. You're you're infamous with the. RSW and the long range fishing and where you came from and how you've been, but how did you get into this fishing thing? What happened? Did your dad, your mom, who got you in? Cause you had to start. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's a, it, it's a pretty cool story. I mean, I was the, the quintessential dock rat, you know, my, my dad introduced my brother and I, my brother's also in the, in the fishing industry. He sport fished for a while. He's been commercial fishing for a long time, you know, fishing in the squid fleet, but both he and I, we, we grew up down by the beach. Um, my dad would take us fishing on the sport boats. And when my, my, my dad and my mom split up anyway, my mom, you know, classic single mother story, you know, raising two boys. We were a couple of years apart and, and she had to work. And she used to drop us off down at Mission Bay at the docks. That was daycare in the summertime. I mean, like we'd either ride the bus down there or she'd drop us off. And then we were, you know, eight, 10 years old, you know, 12 years old, 10 years old. And, and, and we just gravitated towards the water i mean it, it was for everything from catching jack smelt and queen fish on the pier to we were always on the docks you know it didn't take very long all the guys in the boats knew us you know we'd we'd pile on the boats when, the, when they when they turned over that the, the half day trip and you know make a nuisance of ourselves or try to be helpful get in their way and once in a while i, I remember that the, the fair the, the child's fair back then was five bucks 
was five bucks. So we'd scratch together five bucks, you know, my brother and I, and, and, and God forbid, I mean, I'll say it, DFG might track me down, but we used to catch mackerel and sell them to people, you know, for a quarter a piece, you know, to scratch up the five bucks <laughs> at 10, 12 years old, you know, resourceful little guys, you know, to try to get out on that afternoon trip. I remember that the Seaforth was a landing that we hung around and when we would scratch up enough money to go on the half on the afternoon run, the, the, the people in the office would call my mom and let them know, you know, that, that, that we were going to go out on the boats. Of course, everybody was on a first name basis, but that's how it started. And, and when I, you know, a couple of things, life goes on. There was a little period of time where, where, where we kind of graduated away from the docks. We weren't hanging around there as much, but we still spent as much time fishing as we could. You know, we loved it. I was always a, I mean, a, a real waterman my whole life, surfing, fishing, you know, being, being around, growing up around the beach areas. But when I was, I 13 or when I was 14 is when I, I, I officially, like I started working, I showed up one day to go fishing and the guys, you know, they obviously we all knew one another. They knew I knew how to fish and, and they asked if I could go out, you know, the next day and help out. And, and one thing led to another. What happened? We still on? Yeah, they are. Well, good. Yeah. No, one thing, one thing led to another. And, you know, I, I, it, before I knew it, I was, I was, you know, I was 15, 16 working on the Pacific queen with Eddie McEwen, who was a huge mentor to me, um, had a, had a big impact on my life. I, 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 I actually had, I, I probably had a little too much free time on my hands. I won't go into great detail, but I had a little too much free time on my hands when I was 15 and got into a little trouble. And, and uh, you know, it was, it could have been more than a little bit of trouble, but fortunately through uh, through an opportunity I had to, to, to go out and, and fish on the boat and stay fishing with, with some, with some oversight that, that those that were uh, in the position of authority were satisfied with. I was able to, <laughs> I was able to dodge some 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 of the more uh, uh, punitive consequences, let's say, of, of my you know <laughs> my, my <laughs> ill thought of schemes, whatever they were. Um, anyway, Eddie was a he 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 had a huge impact on the ultimately on the direction of my life because I, I decided when I was when I was 16 working on that Pacific Queen, I was pretty dead set on that's what I wanted to do as far as you know my my professional pursuit. Um, it's a, you know, in the end, that was a huge advantage for me. I don't think most kids when they're, you know, 14, 15, 16, know what they want to do, you know, in the long run. And, and what that led to, in addition to all the experience that I gained working there with Eddie, but I accumulated enough sea time to get my captain's license when I was 19. I mean, it was like, I think I, if I remember right, I sat for my test just a few weeks after my 19th birthday, which is that's, that's the earliest you can get your, your, your license or it was when, when, when I got mine. So it was a uh, it was a real leg up, you know. When I was I was a a young guy, I, I went from the Pacific Queen. I had an opportunity to, to to go to work for Frank on on Royal Polaris, and when I when I started working with him, I was I was nineteen, and I, I had my captain's license, and you know, obviously, it accumulated quite a bit of experience. I I, I knew about boats. I, I I was I was always gifted mechanically, so I was a I was a, a, a capable chief engineer, and just you know, I rose through the ranks quickly. There was an opportunity there on, 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 uh, on Frank's boat. And then, you know, I got to give Frank as much credit, if not more, 
you know, in my, in my youth for, for his confidence. I mean, as far as my development, you know, trajectory, professional trajectory, I don't know if you knew this, but you know, I ran my first long range trip when I was 21 on Royal Polaris. Oh my God. No, I had no idea. Yeah, I took a, I took my first trip. I was the youngest guy in the boat. I was, I, it was a, it was a five day trip after Christmas, but you know, think about, think about Frank and, and, and his confidence in, in, you know, in me and my ability at that time. I mean, that's a pretty big leap of faith. You know what I mean? I, I think about it now, you know, what I know and, and it's like, man, that would have to be, that would have to be a real, uh, that would have to be a real superstar in order for me to turn a 21 year old loose with, with, with my long range boat, you know what I mean? And, and, and he did. And, and, and it all turned out great, you know, boat ran great, went down, caught fish, you know, ran a great trip and, and the rest was history. I mean, I was running, I ran my first 16 day. It was a 17 day when I was 22. Wow. I know. Oh, Tim, that is insane. I know you think about it and just, just, you know, again, you just overlay that on, on, on everything that, that, that I know now, you know, the scope of the responsibility, but it was, um, you know, I, I mean, I loved it. I, I absolutely love, I still love it. It's why I do it. It's why, why, why I've, I've, I've had, you know, I've had just most incredible opportunities. And I think that that's the foundation of the whole thing. I mean, I've been, I've been very sincere about it in my, in my drive and from, from the beginning. And it's, it comes from the heart. I mean, I loved fishing, man. I love fishing, love going out on the water. I loved, I love the responsibility of, 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 you know, running the show. And, and, and I also really, I, I really enjoy introducing it more so now. I mean, I've, I've always liked working with people, but I really enjoy introducing anglers to, you know, the magic of the ocean It's the most unbelievable the most unbelievable experiences that, that, that occur out there. And I have, I have this, there was a, there was a, a line that I remembered it from a, it was a, it was a Jack London story, but, but, you know, I, I, it's amazing to me how, how, what is so commonplace to us, you know, those of us who spend our life out in the water, you know, these amazing things happen, whether it's a, I don't know, a hundred foot whale jumping out of the water in front of the boat or sharks eat fair, you know, any, any myriad of, 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 you know, natural wonders that occur. That's just like a commonplace event for us. You know what I mean? It's like, well, it's just another day in the water, you know, giant shark jumped out of the water next to the boat, bit a fish in half right in front of us or, you know, whatever. But that, that gives me so much, gives me so much, um, you know, joy to be able to introduce, so many people to those kind of experiences that you can't get them anywhere else. You just can't, you're, they're not available. You know what I mean? I mean, you see nature that, that, that raw, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't happen any, anywhere else. I mean, maybe out in the, you know, whatever, out the tundra or something, but it's not, you know, the ocean is still, and, and not very far away from, from, you know, major civilization hubs. The ocean is still the last frontier. It absolutely is. You know, you don't have to go that far away when, and and you're you're out there in the middle of it, you know what I mean? Yeah, the most incredible thing I think back now is as I'm a content creator and I make all these great videos and all these people watch and everything, and I think, man, I wish I would have known then what I know now. Because, like you said, we see a shark bite a fish in half, but we see that like every day. But if we film it and put it on social media, people would be blown away. The stuff that we see on a daily basis just blows people's minds. And I know 
I never got to do the long range experience. The things that you've seen are just mind boggling compared to what I've seen. And the things that you see today still right now, like you say, not very far off the beach, you're seeing these schools of bluefin that we and I have never, that my father didn't see in his lifetime and his 87 years on the planet. Yeah, you know, you and I were talking about it earlier. I, I, I like a, a great example of that. When, you know, when I was in that in in my youth in long range fishing, long range fishing was really the only, that was the only place that that the only the only venue that a young guy could work in either that or commercial fishing where you know you were really out of the edge and you saw that caliber of fishing that was spectacular beyond anyone's you know imagination certainly anybody that had you know worked in the local boat in a local fleet and ironically nowadays and and, and really the 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 focal point of that used to be you know big tuna like tuna over 100 pounds 150 pounds i mean when are you, where are you going to see a wide open bite of, of tuna over 150 pounds you know in based out of san diego within 100 miles or so in you know 1985 86 maybe maybe the the odd legendary big eye bite you know what i mean but other than that there's no chance of that happening you know you had to be long range fishing you had to be a long range fisherman in order to, to have a crack at that going down and fishing around the revia quijeros or clarion or clipperton island nowadays hey man you got that right out here you got that you know sometimes 30 miles offshore i mean those guys i i just marvel at it you know um um ryan uh booger on the on the san diego those guys in the san diego you're it's like you, you look at them they're backing in every once in a while they've got a stern full of 120 to 170 pounders they go oh, yeah we had 150 pound bluefin on the corner for half an hour you know guys guys using using 40 pound getting blown up you know just how, how it's really um I, I got off on a, on a tangent there but it really is remarkable how you know what what used to be so incredibly rare or what identified long-range fishing is just you know on the edge and you, there's nowhere else you could go well well there's a whole generation of kids now that they've 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 done it man they've seen it wide open on 100 pounders 150 pounders i'll tell you i You'll, you'll, you'll love talking to me because I, I I go, I get off on these tangents, but you know, at the same time, these guys, they've seen, you know, probably 10 wide open bites on hundred pound bluefin over the last five years, but not one of them's ever seen an albacore caught. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we got a whole generation of kids here who've never, not only they, they've not seen one caught, they've never even seen one. Seen a live one, right. Yeah. We had, a, we had a trip a couple of years ago where, we we were we were fishing up north there, you know, catching bluefin, and there's some little bluefin in the mix, you know, just little random, you know, 15 pounder swam through. Anyway, at the end of the trip, I was up at the top of the dock, and and then the the the, the processors were, were were sorting some stuff out up there, and I look over, and I'm like, hey, is anybody going to tell me about that albacore we caught? <laughs> everybody looks up, they're like, what? I go, yeah, that's an albacore laying there, man. They didn't even know what it was. They didn't even know what it was. <laughs> they didn't know what it was. They didn't, nobody even said anything about it. Yeah, that whole that whole group of guys, you know, all the fish processors. I walked it back down to the boat and showed my guy. Brian was down there, Brian Sims. I held it up and went, hey, Brian, what's this? He goes, holy, you know, that's, that's albacore. Yeah, he's like, we got an albacore. All the other guys are looking at me like, huh, what is that? <laughs> what's wrong with that tuna? What's yeah. wrong with that? Yeah. Funny yeah. with the yellow fin, man. Look at those fins. Oh my gosh. The the story goes on too about that. But anyway. Well, 
what I think we're jumping around and I know and we're not staying focused. I have the same problem. You come to one of my seminars, you'd be blown away. All someone has to do is ask me a question and we're gone. We forgot what we were there for. I've had people come up and go, Dave, weren't you supposed to talk about Bluefin? I said, oh, yeah, I guess the seminar's over. I'm sorry. We've been talking about sea lions for the last three hours. Sorry. But um, you've been around for a long time. And we're, we're jumping way ahead. We shouldn't be there right now. But don't you think right now the ocean's healthier than in Southern California than we've ever seen it before? I, I, I 100% agree that this is, I, I mean, this is probably the, the best example of a healthy ecosystem. You know, it's not just the bluefin, it's everything else. It's, it, I mean, the, the, the marine mammals, the forage, the, 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 the layered forage. I mean, it's not just fin bait, it's everything else. It's the squid, it's the, it's the, the, you know, the smallest of the plankton. I mean, it, it is, it, it, you know what just, it amazes me about this Southern California bite here is how, and, it, and it's an indication of what we're talking about. It is a magnet and has been for, you know, 10, 12, 14 years now. It's a magnet for like every fish in the Eastern Pacific Ocean. They seem to just shoom every, every year now they come right here. Uh, the biggest change that I've seen in, in the long range fishery is, you know, our summertime would start down there in the 28 degree latitude, the 27, the 28, then we'd follow the fish up the 29, the 30, the 31. And then, you know, come August, September, we'd be up here, you know, maybe rubbing elbows with some of the local guys, but it was, it was almost every year was, it was a, a, a it was a, a, not a, if not a predictable, it was a, it was a traceable pro progression, you know, as the fish would work their way up the coast. And the last, a lot of years now, I mean, we're talking, you know, seven, eight, 10 years now, the progression, it, 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 it never starts down South. It's just all of a sudden the fish are just here, you know, the bluefin, they, they've had the last four or five years, they've had a pretty consistent pattern. Well, they, they go down into that 29 block in the winter time, you know, and hang around above Benitas around that area. Then they'll come up, but, but the, the yellow fin, the yellow tail, the Dorado, those things, they, they just, I mean, they obviously come through there, but they don't spend any time. They don't dilly dally around. I mean, they just, they just bomb it right for this Southern California bite. And, and, you know, again, as an example of just how healthy this, this whole ecosystem is here, uh, you know, it starts obviously with it at, at the bottom of the food chain, the, the, the forage fish, and, and they've got plenty to eat. Next thing you know, you know, between the water conditions and, 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 everything else that wants to be here and, and, you know, pull up to the buffet. I, I it's gotta be the explanation for it. You know what I mean? I mean, I know the water's nice, but you know, it's gotta be some good eating for it, for them to be coming around here. like they do. You and I talked a couple weeks ago, we were talking and I was talking to you about the yellow fin and you're like, well, I just came back from, a, I don't even know you were 10 day or 12 day. And you're like, I don't know where it's going to come from Dave, because the water's really not warm down below there. And then look at, Todd Manser called me two days ago and said, Dave, eight miles off of San Onofre, I saw more yellowfin than I've seen in 15 years in Dana Point. He's just like, there's so much yellowfin here on the beach right now. And that should, that stuff just material, like you said, it just boop, popped out of nowhere. You guys are driving back and forth. You would have saw it. You would have saw it. 100%. I mean, there's... There's boats transiting between here and Alejos Rocks, between here and the ridge, you know, daytime going above the islands. And 
there's 250 miles. It's changing now, but you know, there's 200, 250 miles of 62 to 64 degree, you know, off color. Some of it's okay, but none of it has any significant sign of fish. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a friggin' graveyard. You drive through, there's nothing going on, no bird life, no fish, but it shows up up here, you know? And it was kind of the same thing this year. There's those early indicators, you know, in May, a couple of guys got a yellowfin mixed in with those schools of bluefin. There's a case of an odd one here and there. Those every year that's happened. That's been the dead ringer. It's already here. It's already right. here. It's down there swimming around with them, you know, I don't know, keeping a, cutting a low profile, doing whatever the hell they do, but they're, they're already here. Or those vanguards were, you know, they're, they're, they're the indicators that there's going to be a hell of a lot more that show up, you know, unannounced or, mm -hmm. or, or just, you know, with a, with a small announcement, if you will, there's actually a lot more, you know, the guys down below saw a pretty good wave of it. So I, I would not be surprised. I would not be surprised in the next, you know, two, three weeks to see, a, a real influx, you know, and I know there's a lot around now, but I, you know, I think that, that there's a, I think there's a big time wave of it coming, you know, that fish that's all mixed up anywhere from those little dudes, you know, they show up those, you know, eight, 10 pounders all the way up to that beautiful school grade, you know, that like the perfect, the perfect recreational fish for Southern California is like the 15 to 18 pound yellowfin tuna. You know what I mean? They pull like a devil, but you can catch them, you know, they bite, they, 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 they don't wear everybody out. They don't break tackle. You know, it's kind of the perfect fish to, to, to satisfy everybody. Yeah. It's good for the private boaters because they like to eat the lures behind the boat too. Exactly. So very simple. I've been talking about it for a couple of weeks on my uh, game plans. I put out that get ready because the whole world's about to change. I figured I was predicting the middle of July and I was pretty spot on. I started talking about it last year. I said, you watch. But the amount of flats, and we call, you and I know what those are, but the people that are watching don't know that Dorado that showed up last year. Just like, you and I have never seen that before. I mean, my dad can tell you he never saw that before. Half-day boat getting 150, 200 Dorado every day. Half-day boats. <laughs> every yeah. day? Every I'll, day? I'll, I'll, I'll let you in on another piece of, of, of Southern, California, Southern California sport fishing history. I, I dubbed those things flats. That that was that was my that was my term. Okay. <laughs> I started calling them flats back in I mean it was like in the in the early nineties, man. It caught like wildfire fire. Now those things are flats. That's what they are. Yeah, that's what everybody calls them <laughs> in the industry. We got a, we got a good hit on the flats today, and people are like, oh, "You're on the Huntington flats?" No, no, no. The fish. Yep. The every, time, every time I hear that, I laugh. I'm like, "Yep, there you go." <laughs> Um, so we're jumping all over the place, but we're back to when you started out and then you went for Frank and then that catapulted your, your pro professional. I mean, I know Eddie had a lot to do with it, but when Frank got a hold of you and found out who you were and what you were all about and then what you have today, if we went through that, we would be on here for another three hours, but who you are right now, where you're at right now, that's a direct correlation to about Frank trusting you and letting you run the boat your first time when you're nine or 21 years old. That's crazy. You think about the Royal star, you handed the keys, you and Brian going here, kid, 19 year old, 20 year old kid here, go take her for a ride. Yeah. Take it for a five day. <laughs> take, it, take it for a, take it for a seven day, take it for a, a 17 day, you know, at, at, at 22. It, 
you know, he's a kid's boat, guys. Those of you that don't know, I'm throwing it up there. That's Tim, Tim, Brian, and Randy's boat right there. Randy's still part of it, right? Yeah, he is. And then we have a new partner in the boat also, uh, Alex Natipadab. He's just an incredible, incredible addition to our, our ownership team. He also is operating the boat, you know, at, at least at least a quarter, if not a third of the time. Just a, a, a remarkably capable young guy that that I've actually – I, I've, I've, I've had my eye on him for a few years. You know, he worked over, he worked uh, on a, on a boat called the Apollo for, for a long time. He ran that boat and just did a great job of it. Um, he, 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 his, he, he really, in, in my eyes, and again, I was watching him close. He really set himself apart from, from everybody else and his ability to, to, to keep that thing running, you know, and, and especially when they had a few, you know, specialty trips. They took the boat to Costa Rica and et cetera. And the fact that, that he was able to pull that off and, and, you know, it really just identified him as a cut above. So we had him join the boat as an operator. Was it two years ago? I think it was two years ago. And he came with, with the, the, the intent of, of him buying some of Randy's shares, which Randy was more than happy to, 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 um, to offer him. So He's just a tremendous addition. I mean, he really is the, he's the future of, of, of the boat. Not that I'm going anywhere anytime soon. I'm 55 years old, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm far from over the hill and Brian is the same way, but Alex is definitely, you know, he's, I call him a kid. He's 33 years old. He's, he's, he's got the, he's got the youthful vigor and, and, and drive where, you know, he's going to be the, uh, he's going to be the future of the boat, you know, beyond our, beyond our, our, our tenure, if you will. Right now, like this is your other, this is your partner, Brian. Loving it. We just came back from an absolutely unbelievable trip. Rock cod. Ricky proved himself to be a yellowfin killer as well. But very blessed with good fishing, great fishing, in fact, on giant fish up to 340 pounds. And we just about filled the boat. We got to do it all. Best of all, in flat, calm weather. Gotta love it. And Tuesday. Look at those fish on the back of the boat. We were talking in the beginning of the show. You had to go on a trip like that to catch that kind of fish. And now you, like you were saying, Booger comes in on the, on the boat, leaves in the morning at five o'clock in the morning, gets back at dark. And their boat looks like the back of that, like Brian's trip right there. It's pretty, pretty wild. I know how, how did you, Brian and Randy all get together and become partners? Cause that's kind of a big, this industry is gnarly gang. You got to understand this industry is gnarly. It's cutthroat. Plus we're all super tired and we all, got our edge and we all got our egos to have three guys that are motivated like you guys are to stay together as long as you had that had to be a pretty special deal yeah you know randy and i randy ran the xl for 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 bill pool for i want to and he kind of got thrown to the to the he didn't kind of he got thrown to the wolves you know and they 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 had they launched the boat and you know it was a tumultuous event you know and and, and the the original operator you know, had some demons, et cetera, whatever. And, and Randy, he was kind of like I was, I think he was 22 or 23. And, and it was like, here you go, kid, you know, you're it. And he ran that boat. You know, he was the guy on there for at least four years, you know, three, four five years. I think it was four years that he ran it. Cause he was on the one Oh five before that, the qualifier one Oh five. And he and I were, you know, we, we, it, it, it really was, I mean, it was a much smaller, smaller pool and much, much tighter knit. And, and he and I were, you know, we were the new kids, you know, still wet behind the ears and the old guys didn't exactly embrace us, you know, or, or, or make it easy on us. Um, 
we had to earn our stripes, if you will. So, so needless to say, we gravitated towards one another. I mean, we became a force out there as far as fishing goes and information, you know, cause like I said, the older guys, they, they, you know, they didn't try to backstab us or anything, but they didn't make anything easier on us. So we formed our own Alliance. And like I said, we were, we were a hell of a team. I was running Royal Polaris at the time. And then when I, I, I had an opportunity to take over Royal star hundred percent as, as the captain operator, you know, run the whole show for, for Frank, he still owned the boat in 1992. So I, I, I switched over to Royal star and that's when Randy and I really became tight. He was running that XL. I was on, on Royal star. And again, we were, we were a hell of a team working together to, you know, run successful trips and, 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 and evolve the, we, we really did a lot to evolve the industry and, and shift in the focus from just a quantity pursuit to quality, you know, the biggest fish possible and, and focusing on that biggest, not just the biggest, but, but the biggest variety, you know, infusing that variety into the trip rather than just stay in one place and catch them until the cows come home. You know, we were the guys that went, Hey, look, we got enough of those. Let's, let's go somewhere else and try for something different. Um, but we, we did a, we did a really good job of, 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 of partnering up, if you will, on the fishing side of it. When an opportunity came along to buy the boat, Frank offered the boat to me in 1996. I immediately went to Randy and, and said, Hey man, you know, we're, we're pretty much already working together as far as fishing goes. Let's, let's form a, uh, let's form a partnership here. And, and that way we'll have, I mean, it was a, it was a in concept, it provided epic work-life balance, you know, cause I mean, at the time, man, we were on the boat all the time. I mean, we were the guys, we ran the boat, you know, hundreds of days a year we were, we were out there. Of course we loved it, but you know, you gotta, you gotta have a, you gotta have a little, little, little bit of time to, to recuperate and, you know, to, to stay on your, your best game. Anyway, that was the foundation of it. You know, one guy was always on a boat to, to watch the business. One guy was always on the beach to watch the business. And, and, you know, the rest is history. That was in 1996. We bought Royal star. We actually leased it for three years from Frank before we went to the, you know, we established credit, established payment history. And then we went to the bank in 1999 and, and, and actually secured a loan ourselves. I was, was I at the time? 98. I think I was, was like 28 at the time, 28, 29. And, and, I think I was 28, Randy was 29 when, when we bought that boat. And then, <coughs> excuse me, Brian actually worked for us. He worked for me when I, when I ran Royal Star back in the, the early 90s, 90, 92. I think he started in 93, 4, 5, 6. He worked with us for four or five years. And then he had an opportunity. Actually, we made an opportunity for him to, to jump off our boat and go take over the Qualifier 105 great chance for him to go out and get experience and you know, run the whole show, do it himself, which he did for six years. He was really successful over there, you know, built a strong reputation for himself. And, and, um, at, at that time it was around 2005, 2006, Randy has, his, you know, he's really successful at lobster fishing also. So he, his, his time was, 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 it was getting run pretty ragged. He wanted to get some more time to, to focus on, on that side of his, his fishing we recruited Brian off the boat to come back and join us as, as an owner. And, you know, here we are, it's 2023, you know, we've always been compatible. We have, we have really similar, you know, we're obviously very different people, but, but philosophically we're, we're, we're very, very closely aligned. You know, our, 
our concept of the business of the boat, how we, how we operate our boat. Um, you know, we're, we're, again, we're, we're, we're closely aligned. It's, it's, it's certainly the foundation for, for a really successful partnership. You know, we've, we've like anything, you know, there's, there's peaks and valleys, but I can say with hundred percent confidence, we've had very, very few valleys, very few, and they have not been deep ones. You know, they've been pretty shallow valleys that we've been able to work through whatever, whatever challenges have, have manifested, but, you know, along the way, along the way. And, and, and again, this is through my, my association with Frank, who I, I cannot again, over, overemphasize my, my number one, my gratitude to him because he's, he really, you know, Frank never gave me anything, What he, but, but he, but what he did give me provide was a platform for, for, for me to, to, you know, do my thing, if you will, and, and, and be successful. You know, he gave me plenty of rope, if you will, and, you know, sink or swim. Unfortunately, you know, that, that, that a lot of things went right. And, and, and I've been able to, to take advantage of these opportunities that have come along, you know, as Frank, as he's, He's, you know, he's a really successful guy, of course, owning Royal Polaris, Fisherman's Landing, owns part of Point Loma Landing, Seaforth Landing, et cetera. You know, he's taken advantage of an awful lot of ownership opportunities that have come along because he's positioned himself well. I've done my best to follow in his footsteps because, you know, why wouldn't you? I mean, the guy's just an incredible, incredible example of, of, of success through pure effort. I mean, you know, guy is about the hardest worker you could ever imagine, and and everything that's that's that 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 has become available to him has become available through his hard efforts. So anyway, I've I've tried to follow the same pattern, and he's been really instrumental in that. Also, you know, when an opportunity comes along, it's it's you know, I'm just about the first guy he calls. Hey, you know, here's an opportunity to buy a percentage of the landing. Are, are you interested? Heck yeah, I'm interested. And you know, same thing when we started Fisherman's Processing, Fr- Frank. Randy, Sean Sebring, and I started Fisherman's Processing back in 2010. There was a, there was a, you know, with this, the, the whole, you know, once the fleet really started switching over and everybody embraced the whole RSW thing, which is a whole nother conversation. But once everybody started embracing the whole RSW thing and bringing in their catch fresh, and there was a, you know, expanded the demand for processing tenfold you know there was obviously uh, there was a there's a real need for for more capacity in the fish processing side which is why we started fishermen's processing um you know and that brings us to that brings us to now that was so that was in 2010 that we started fishermen's processing and 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 now 2023 it's uh you know it's doing great going strong we're actually we're, we're about we're we're up against another another change that, that's only going to make us that much better that much stronger coming up here in, in december but that's kind of the, that's the, the, the abridged version, you know, the, the, of, of my history. And, you know, Hold on one second, let me show everybody this fisherman's pro. We'll just do a real quick clip and then we'll keep going, talking about it some more. Okay. How many people are working in there? There's a bunch of people cutting fish. Yeah, at our, at, at, at our peak, you know, we have some. We have north of 25 total employees back there. Between you know the cutting table, the vacuuming, 
you know, packing boxes, packing coolers, you know, getting rid of the or, or shifting the, the 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 waste around, making sure that that it gets in the cooler. I mean, it's a it's it's quite a process, you know, and especially in those days when multiple boats get in, there can be a lot of product. I know it always, you know, it looks like a, a, a tremendous pile of fish and it is, but you know, you divide it out among 60 people, even if they have 10 fish a piece, 60 people, that's still, man, that's 600 fish. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. It's a lot of fish combined. So it's, um, you know, it really has to be, it has to be a fish efficient and effective in order to process that much fish. You know, ideally one of the, you know, one of my, my, I'll take you back a little bit from the fish processing side. You know, when I was a young guy in the boats, one of the things that always used to just drive me nuts about, about long range fishing was, was the whole program the day the boat got in. And that was the offloading of the boat. You know, we'd throw the fruit cause we always froze the fish in brine. And if, 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 if your, your viewers don't know what brine freezing fish is, you, you put water in the, in the tank and you add a bunch of salt to it, then you refrigerate that water and you bring the temperature below freezing, way below freezing because the salinity content. So, you know, you have a free flowing solution that's say at 10 degrees, you know, 20% salinity. So all the fish are frozen like bricks when they come out of there. Take them, you know, the, in the case of the bigger fish, if you leave it laying in a, in a cooler, it would take, you know, two, three days for that thing to thaw because we're unloading it at, at a 10 degree backbone temperature. And not an ideal product, you know, you got you to thaw it, then fillet it and then refreeze it, you know, once you process it. It was, I'll, 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 I'll label it. Okay. I'll be generous. <laughs> it was, it was right. okay. You know what I mean? But it wasn't, it wasn't great. One of the things that, you know, when I was young, you used to always just drive me nuts that, that, you know, the boat would get in and we'd pitch the fish off into the carts and then all that fish would go up to the top of the sidewalk and it would get sorted out up there. And it was a real, I mean, it was drudgery, man. You know, the anglers wow. are up there with their hooks and their boots are dragging fish around and putting them on their numbers and getting them back into a car and figure it out. And I, you know, for, so many years i would just sit there and go god there's got to be a better way to do this you know what i mean like this this is just it's just it was horrible it's it, was him. it was horrible remember albacore oh my gosh that was like you don't even understand albacore there was no limit we could have 20 fish per person and there would be big piles of mush up there come on you remember you oh know? yeah i remember things yesterday it just drove me crazy man yeah it, you're the reason it, why it's not like that you know so, you know, the concept, I, I always was looking for a concept to, to, to offer anglers the option of not having to, to, to touch their fish, having a, a processing venue that was there that the fish would come directly off the boat and go right to them and go right to the shop and ideally provide the, the, the anglers, the opportunity to have their fish processed that same day, even, you know, to, to be able to walk out the door with their, with their product in hand at the end of a successful trip. So, you know, we, we, that, that it, it went hand in hand with the whole RSW thing. When we figured out how to hold the fish for in beautiful, fresh condition versus freezing it, you know, we, re, we realized that, that, that we had the, the ability to do that. And then we perfected the, the, we perfected that the, the application and introduced it that opened the door to provide that exact service because the fish, when they, when they come out of that RSW tank, you know, we pump that tank down to the dock. The fish never even come out onto the deck. We don't, we don't want them laying around. We want to handle them as, as little as possible because they're delicate, you know, they're fresh. So, you know, that opened the door to 
them not going into carts, not going to the top of the dock. You know, ideally the service was okay, you know, and, and the system we use on the boat now, I, I don't know if you know this or not. We've been doing this for a number of years, you know, north of 15 years now, but every fish that, that an angler catches, we have a, we have a board out there, you know, on the bait tank and every fish an angler catches that, you know, we tag them with a, with a, 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 a tag, corresponding to their their number that's assigned to them and then that fish goes in the hatch and when it does we record in a column the species of the fish next to that angler's next to that angler's number so at all times during the trip an angler can reference that list at any time and go oh look i've got you know three bluefin in there five yellowtail etc we know exactly what's in that what's in the hatch and, and the angler also knows so at the end of the trip before we even get in their processing order is already done. It's already completed. They already know they, you know, they fill out the form. I've got three of this, three of this, this, and I want to fillet, et cetera. And that expedites the whole process. When we get in, you know, the processors, they, they, we hand them the forms and it's already the angler. Hey man, he picks his tackle box up and his, and his, and his, and his duffel bag and his rods and he's gone. He's, he's, he's out the door. He's rolling for the house or, you know, he comes back later to pick it up or he, you know, goes and has breakfast and comes, picks it up a few hours later. It, it really, that that process you know the whole rsw concept opened the door to i mean it it was like it wasn't just a it wasn't just a a, a, you know an incremental advance i mean that was a quantum leap in the level of the standard of service number one the quality of the product i mean everything that how that elevated the whole experience and and added huge value to a long range trip. You know, I mean, it just transformed it. it, it, it as far as I'm concerned, you know, it, anglers are, 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 you know, they used to go out and, and and the fishing was epic, of course. But then, you know, the the frozen fish was kind of a byproduct you had to deal with. Whereas now, the fishing is epic, and the product is absolutely phenomenal you know the kind of care with that, that we we take a lot of pride in producing that premium quality product we don't bang the fish around we bleed them we you know we spike them we do the the the, the tanaguchi method with the running the wire down the spine we remove the the innards so that product when it's offloaded is you know i mean it's as good as as good gets it's 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 the equivalent of you know, whatever, name some famous Nobu, you know, sushi, Mark, you know, sushi. It, it's as good as is being served there and better. And, you know, you think again of the value plus that, 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 that has, that, that that's tacked on to a, to a long range trip. I mean, I, I you know, it's hard to measure it in, in dollars. Of course, it depends on if, if, if you're somebody who appreciates fish or appreciating it, sharing it, you know, the, 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 the spoils of your, of your, your exploits, but, Regardless, it, it just adds a whole nother component to a trip that wasn't there before. Now, there, we got a lot of people watching in Florida and Texas and stuff. You guys, what Tim's trying to explain here to you, because Tim wrote the long range fishing trip. He's been doing it since he was 19 years old, long range. And we're talking about going out for a week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. What's the longest trip you've done? That's exactly right. I should make mention of that, right? Right. right. Yeah. So, so our trips, our trips on the shorter end were three days, and on the 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 longer end were were north of fifteen days, sometimes up to seventeen days. We we've got a couple of trips that are that are fifteen days now. Our average trip is like four to seven days. We we run you know a half a dozen 
or, or what do we have four 10 day trips in the wintertime and a couple of the, couple of the, the longer ones, but the majority of the trips are, are seven days. So, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> all of the fish that our anglers catch. And when we're fishing in Mexico, the limits are really generous. You can keep up to 30 fish total, 15 of any one species, no more than 15 of any one species. So they're all of the fish when an angler catches it, that fish belongs to the angler. And when a fish is caught, we have, we have big tanks that, that, that are below decks. Um, just to, to, to give you a proportion size, two of our tanks hold 1400 gallons of water. The other one holds 1800 gallons of water. So, you know, that, that corresponds to about, if you're talking about tuna that are 40 pounds, that corresponds to about a hundred of them, roughly, maybe a few more, you know, just there's depends on how they stack in there. But, you know, those tanks, they'll, they'll hold, you know, two and a half, three, three and a half tons of fish, just depending on what size the fish are. It, it's, it's, it's a lot. And, the, and what we do is we fill those tanks full of seawater, just regular seawater. And we refrigerate that water. We run it through a, run it through a chiller, chiller core. We refrigerate that seawater down to 30 degrees. And you think, well, 30 degrees is below freezing. It's not. Seawater doesn't freeze until 28 because of the salinity, because of the salt content. So we actually have a circulating seawater that's at 30 degrees, 31 degrees. And then when, when the angler catches the fish, we, we mark it for them. We, 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 we bleed it. We'll, we'll remove the innards if it's a nice sized tuna. And then that fish is, it goes down into that hatch where it's immersed in that 30, 31 degree, 32 degree seawater for the duration of the trip. RSW product industry standard in, in, in commercial fishing was up to two weeks in, in RSW. We've held fish for two weeks on, on clipperton trips, and it's been absolutely beautiful. The, the key, of course, is that you have to maintain that 30, 31. You know, you can't let that temperature fluctuate too much. You can't let it get up north of, of 34, 30 feet. you got to maintain it down there in that 30, 31, 32 at the most in order to get that kind of time in, in the tanks. But again, most of our trips, they don't push up against that because we're, we're in the – you know, like a 15-day trip now, the anglers are actually on the boat 12 days. We'll drop off where you are in Cabo San Lucas on the 12th day and, and motor home. Usually the fish are on the boat maximum like 10 days. But for these trips that are less, out of San Diego, three, four, seven days, you know, eight-day trip, the fish is typically in the tank for, you know, four, five, six days at the most. Absolutely perfect. Just makes the most, for the most beautiful premium product because it's like, you know, not only do you have this, 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 this extreme care that we put into making sure the fish doesn't get banged around or you know, bruised or abused when, when we're, when we're actually in the, the process of marking it and, and putting it in the hatch, but then it just sits there in that relaxed state. Now the tank is completely full of water right to the hatch. And then we put the hatch on and, and dog it. <coughs> There's no free surface in the tank whatsoever. As you, you can imagine that if there was any free surface in there at all, the boat rolls around, it would just turn into soup in that tank. You know, it would destroy everything. It would scrape the skin off. It'd be just a mess. But as long as there's no free surface whatsoever, water comes all the way to the top. And what we do when we, you know, when you put a fish in the hatch, tanks full of water. So it displaces water. Water actually comes out every time you put a fish in and the last fish that goes in there, we <clears throat> dog that hatch on there. So it's, it's rock solid, you know, that there's absolutely zero free surface whatsoever. So that fish just kind of sits in flux in that tank all trip. Just, you know, I'd say nice and warm and cozy, but it's the opposite. <laughs> nice, right. nice and cold and, you know, protected. 
doesn't get banged around, doesn't get doesn't get bruised up, doesn't get thrashed. And, you know, and at the end of the trip, when we offload it, I, I was I was mentioning, you know, then we'll pump the water out of the tank and we just we, we remove them out of there one at a time. They go right on a scale. They get weighed, weight recorded, weight and species are recorded, and then they go directly into a tote that's that's staged alongside the dock. And that tote, you know, once it's full, it goes right to the processing facility, which, you know, that's the best possible thing for that product. It, it, it is the, 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 the less it's handled, the better it is. And, you know, it's certainly better for the for certainly better for the for the angler because, man, they don't have to touch it. You know, going back to the old archaic way of doing things. I mean, you talk about a drag, literally. Remember at the end of the trip, you'd have to go up there and, you know, if you got 40, there's a big pile of fish and you're sorting around, you know, grabbing the fish, you know, looking for your number and dragging it down on the sidewalk and putting it, you know, repeat the process again and again. It was a it was a it was a real primitive way of doing it, you know, in, in retrospect you just can't even believe it. You know, it's like, you can't believe we used to do it that way. But then again, you know, cavemen used to walk around with the clubs too. So, you know. right. You and Randy though, you guys came up with this RSW thing. You guys were the designers of this. You must've sat up in the wheelhouse for years trying to figure out how to do this. Right. I'm, I'm going to tell you, I mean, I was the guy. Right. Uh, I know that, but yeah. people know. So, so it, it came about, you know, we took the boat down to Panama Two, two different years. There was a dust up down in Mexico with the Ravia Quijados being closed down and et cetera. And, 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 and we, we, we were looking to expand, you know, beyond the, the looking to, to develop a, a, a new winter fishery. So we took the boat down to Panama and the, the water down there is incredibly warm. You know, it was north of 80 degrees, 82, 84. And, and, and yellowfin tuna, any tuna but yellowfin in particular you know their their body temp is generally two or three degrees warmer than the ambient water temp so they're super hot they come out of the water we our original plan down there dave was that we were going to we were going to brine freeze those fish we were going to get the brine super cold so it would it would you know pull heat out of those fish as fast as possible. I mean, I had a super high salinity content, brine down as, you know, five below zero. I just thought that was the greatest idea in the world, right? So we dropped the first couple of fish down there, pulled one out. We were going to fillet it at the, at the end of the day. You know, we left it in there six, eight hours, whatever it was, pulled it out. We filleted it. And man, it was, it was, it was horrible. It was, it was jello. I mean, it was completely, oh, wow. it was cooked, right? We put it down in that tank full of five minus five brine. You know, it was like raining over it, trickling over it. And it froze like the outside inch, which insulated all that heat in that fish in the, in the body. And it literally cooked. From it. it was like, oh, wow. It was like jello. The thing was just absolutely ruined. So, you know, I right away pivoted. It was like, well, that's not going to work. And we we used to flood our wells it's 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 amazing that i didn't that i didn't it didn't dawn on me you know prior to the whole panama experience but because we used to flood our wells when we would get a whole lot of fish you know we originally with the brine freezing we'd put a little bit of water in the bottom and it would it would it would rain out of the top of the of the you know the plumbing we had holes cut in the plumbing and and suck it out of the bottom and then force it to the top, you know, pump it to the top and rain down, trickle through the fish, pulling heat. Well, when we got a whole lot, like say we'd catch, you know, 300 fish in a stop or whatever, we would fill the tank full of water because it's so much more efficient at, at pulling heat, you know, 
well, that's all we did with the RSW thing. You know, I, I was like, well, for sure, number one, we have to we have to, to remove the, 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 the innards. You got to gill and gut them. And we have to flood the tank because that's going to pull heat, you know, more efficiently. So, and, and I, I, I could really get into the weeds here, but obviously, you know, I told you I, I, I was, I was a chief engineer before I was a captain and I, I have a pretty good working knowledge, very good of refrigeration systems, how they work. And I knew I could get, because of the particulars of our refrigeration system on Royal Star, which we've, which we've really adapted, you know, now more so than, than, than we had it, but I, I knew we'd be able to get our tanks down to that 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 certain range and and maintain them at that temperature. So the the, the first load of fish that, that we brought in, we 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 offloaded in Panama at a at a at a dock that that was it was adjacent the the we used like a like a, a like a yacht marina to offload anglers and their gear. And then we would motor over to a, to a more commercial port to offload the fish and the boxes. Cause we, we would send everybody home with boxes of fillets. We had to pull the fish out and fillet them. You know, we didn't want to do that in the, in the yachty Harbor. So anyway, when we're, we're, we're offloading this fish and we're cutting a couple of them up and, and it just so happened that a couple of fish buyers, these guys were from Miami came by and we started shooting the breeze and, guy asked me, he's like, Hey, you know, how much are those, how much are you guys selling those for? And I, I told him, no, they're not for sale. You know, I explained what we did and he's, he was just marveling at the quality of it. And he said, yeah, we had a, few, we had a couple big, a couple big ones down at the bottom of the tank hole ones. He said, do you mind if I, if I core one of those, you know, he had the whole thing, you know, you, you take the core sample of the fish and he says, do you mind if I, I core one? I said, yeah, go ahead, man, you know, check it out. And jumps down in there, take this core. He comes up, we had one of those, you know, white cutting boards. So he laid the thing out and he's talking to his buddy and they're like, you know, excitedly whispering, you know, and like doing their, you know, rubbing the oil in it. And, and, and he goes, you know, you're sure you guys don't want to sell this? And I said, yeah, they're not ours. You know, they belong to somebody, but, but, you know, I, I was like, well, is it, is it, is it good? You don't tell me, man. Cause this is the first, this is the first time we've done this with this RSW. And the guy said, this is the best fish I've seen in here all year. He says, I can't believe this. This is, this is unbelievable. I, wow. I, I, I literally, I, I, I stopped what I was doing. I put down my knife and I, I went up, Randy was up top. I said, I said, dude, I said, the world as we know it has just changed. I said, and this is what we're going to do. You know, this is how we're going to do it. I said, everything from here on out, we're going to RSW. We're going <coughs> to, we're going to, I said, we're going to transform this entire industry. This is it. This is, this is, this is the moment that we've been waiting for. And, you know, Randy's great. Of course, he's like, Hey man, knock yourself out right on, you know, whatever, whatever we need to do to make it happen. I'm, I'm, I'm here, you know, and, and he was, he's really good at, at, at logistics, you know? So like the, the logistics side, when we worked to, to, to set up a processor that was capable of handling it, you know, I mean, we, 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 we launched the idea together and, and, you know, it's the old, uh, going back to, to, to our partnership, you know, this is the same with Randy, Brian and I, it's like, we, we all, you know, we, we're all, we're all quick to, Hey man, what, whichever one has the idea, whatever it may be, it's like, Hey, go, go with it. And, and wh whatever role you're in, whether you're taking the lead or you're a support role, just do whatever it takes to make it happen. Um, I mean, that's the story of it. And then we, and we did, you know, we, we came back up from there it was in 2003, we came back up from there and, and, 
you know, I made a big, I made a big to do about it. It's like, Hey, this is how we're going to do it on Royal star, you know, RSW beautiful, fresh fish. We had a new processor set up to handle it. It was five star at the time. And you know, it just, it, it just went off like a bomb. It, 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 for the obvious reason, I mean, the quality of the product, it just, it just blew everybody away. And as you can imagine, you, 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 you know, people are resistant to change. We all are naturally. And, and, and I, we took some real flack from, from, from some of our colleagues back in the day, cause they were pissed, you know, they were, they were pissed that, cause it does require a lot more from the crew. I mean, it's a lot more work, man. There's a, there's a lot of labor involved in it, you know, when it comes to dressing the fish and all that, but it's just, it, I mean, we knew it was so worth it cause we'd already seen, we already knew what the, what the result was you know, as far as the quality of the products. And we knew that, that, that our anglers were just going to be blown away by it. You know, when we, when we introduced it to albacore, yellowtail, bluefin, all that, you know, you know, something of, of all of the fish that, that we catch and everything has been, you know, turned into gold from, from the RSW application, but of, of all the fish, the, the, the fish that it transformed the most was a yellowtail, believe it or not. I mean, you know what a good yellowtail is, you know, when you, when you, when you spike it and you bleed it and man, that thing sits in that RSW for a few days, yellowtail used to be a second class citizen. I mean, it'd be like, oh yeah, we got some yellowtail or they're good smoked, you know, like kind of that, you know, I mean, like they really weren't all, or they're good on the barbecue with a lot of lemon. You know what I mean? It's like not anymore, man. Those things are, I am not kidding you, dude. They are gourmet out of that rsw it's unbelievable what a transformation that 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 fish went through i mean just this delicate just beautiful you know just the the the, the flavor of the fish alone but how how versatile it is and you know etc etc i'm not a chef bon vivant but i know that fish is is just been absolutely transformed by that process yeah the meat blossoms if you will it just it just blossoms it just is a it's better product than anything we could ever comprehend because it just, when it sets in there for that amount of time, something happens magical to the meat and it just blossoms. Yeah. I think it's that, you know, it just relaxes. Everything relaxes in there. You know, it's just like curing meat or anything else. It just has sufficient time to relax. And, and it really is, there's a, there's a texture thing, you know, it's just that melt in your mouth. I mean, it really is, 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 I, I, you can tell I get, I actually, I still, I mean, this is 20 years later now. This is in 2003 that we figured this out and, and I still, man, I, I, I get excited about it. It's a, it's a huge, huge point of pride for me to know that, that, you know, long after, long after I'm, I'm, I'm gone, you know, and, 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 and while I'm here, I mean, I think you're really fortunate as a, as a, as a human to, 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 to be able to leave your mark on something that really improves it really improves it for, for everybody across the board. You, you know what I mean? Oh, and, absolutely. I mean, this is, this is my mark and I'm not saying I'm done, you know, there may be something else that comes along, but at the very least, you know, I know that, that there isn't a, I was talking with, um, I was talking with uh, Robbie Gant from AFCO the other day. We were talking about that new, the, the new, uh, um, I think they call it the tripwire. They've got a, they've got a, a, a product now they developed for, for running the cord down the, the, the tuna spine. But we were talking about exactly that. I mean, and this is, this is now gone from, from Royal star from, from the origins of that day in, in, or that trip in Panama. And it's across the board, every long range boat, every overnight boat, every half day boat. And even that now, now that, you know, the private boats, the yachts, like 
everybody is on board now with this premium quality care of the fish, you know, recognizing that, that, you know, that product is valuable, man. And, and, and it also come to me, it really validates the effort that we put towards, you know, harvesting these fish because that's what it is. You know, it, it, it's a harvest and, you know, the, the appreciation for the fact that every one of these things is, you know, it's valuable, man. It, 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 it's valuable as <coughs> it's, it's valuable as, 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 as a, as a food source, but it's also valuable, man. It's a critter that's, you know, this thing was swimming around in the water. If you're going to take it, you know, you, you, you should take responsibility for, for it and, 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 and show it the appropriate level of, of care to, to, to make it something, you know, special at, at, at the most or worthwhile at the least, you know what I'm saying? Right. Well, thing I wanted to ask you about this RSW thing was the albacore. I remember coming down there, going fishing, six, seven day trip and coming down there and getting my fish off the boat and putting it in the back of the truck and going home and they are popsicles. And by the time they thawed out, the outer meat was like mush. When you went to rip the skin off or do whatever we did back in those days, the, the the, the, the fish itself was pretty much garbage when it was popsicled and then like you said two or three days for it just to thaw out so we could cut it because you know we were I was working on boats and we would come down there and do that and that was our vacation and then we'd get home and with our truckload of friggin fish in our backyard it was the biggest mess in the world you revolutionized the whole world for even us in the industry it just changed everything yeah those those albacore and we were really fortunate because when we when we did introduce the, the RSW thing, we were right smack in the middle of that incredible albacore cycle. Right. So we got to put those to the test immediately. And, you know, albacore are really delicate compared to a bluefin tuna or yellowfin tuna. Those things are hard. You know, they're durable. Whereas an albacore, they're they're very delicate. You know, their skin's delicate. There's their 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 overall, um, you know, their 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 makeup is is just it's just soft you know they're a soft fish but you hold them in that rsw for and 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 again the key is that 30 to 31 temperature range and man they come out of that tank and they're just they're not frozen but they're firm you know what i mean like they've got that they've got that integrity you know they're not like rubbery when you pull them out of they're just nice and firm and Oh, you talk about quality. Holy smokes. I mean, it's just absolutely beautiful, especially, you know, you bleed them, you do it right. God, what a beautiful product. Absolutely incredible. Yeah, I just, I wish we could see that fish again, because like you said, the kids today don't even know what it is. And if you could see it in the RSW, they would never experience what we would experience. Remember unloading those things, Tim, throwing them in the cart, the tails would rip off. And it was just a on the three, on the half day, or excuse me, on the day and a half for the one day boats, we didn't have anything like what you guys did. We didn't have the popsicle makers. We didn't have any of that stuff sat in a gunny sack. Then it went into the fish hold with ice. And if the stuff wasn't on the top or wasn't in the middle or something, it was just mush. It was just, it was a horrible way to treat fish. And like you say, you have most respect. I love what you always say about you have respect for each and every one of those fish. We didn't have that when we were growing up. It just wasn't there. It wasn't what we were taught by the old timers. It just wasn't. We were just taught, get them in the boat, get them in there, get them in the ice and get them to the people and get out of here. Crazy, right? Yeah, it really is. I mean, I like to, you know, again, I, I don't want to, I, I, it's, it's, it's not that I'm a, it, it, it's not that I'm not a, you know, a, 
hey, I mean, I pursue them as hard as anything else, and 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 I, I love catching them, I and that's that's why going back to the beginning, you know, I said that's why I've done this is because I'm a fisherman at heart. But at the same time, you know, for me, Dave, it's not like something that I you know I, I hear people say I'll say oh you know we yeah we 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 went out we you know we we killed eight you know today or you know we really killed them or you know I, I love to kill fish you know and, I, and it's like for me I, like the joy is not in the killing of something <laughs> you know what i'm saying it's like i'm not after the kill i i i i love the capture i love the pursuit and, and and the killing is is you know that's like a necessary evil if you will because i like harvesting it i like the product so it's like sorry bud but you gotta go but i'm not like i'm not turned on by the bloodlust you know what i'm saying <laughs> yes and a little different world today than what we grew up when we were kids it's it is it's yeah we didn't know any better right we just that was how we were taught by the old timers that taught us okay i know we've gone way over an hour tim tim and i could say and talk forever we want to talk a little bit about your boat a little bit about what you do we're gonna we're gonna run over a little bit we lost a lot of the guys watch this show live tim we'll get a whole bunch of people watching it after but a lot of guys had to go back to work. We had we lost about half our audience because they're like they watch it for that hour at lunchtime every day. But we got we're going to keep going here for a little bit longer if you have the time to talk about your boat for a little bit. Yeah, minutes. for sure. So the Royal Star, what happened? How where did it come from? Because I know, but people watching don't know that this is a huge boat. This is a giant boat. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know it's it's all relative. I mean. You know, in the world of long range fishing, it's it's like a it's a it's a, a medium size, I, I would call it a long range fishing boat. But I actually, you know, coming from from Royal Polaris, which is one of the biggest boats, and and, and then when I when I moved, I, I I'll say I graduated to Royal Star when I took it over myself. I was I actually was introduced in, in, in pretty short order to the versatility of it. It's it to me it's the perfect size. You can do just about anything with it, man. I mean, you could tuck back into a cove and fish sea bass with that thing, or you can go out 350 miles offshore or 500 miles offshore at Hurricane Bank and, and you know, fish big yellowfin in weather. You can do anything and everything in between. So it's a really versatile boat. It's really well designed. It's a, it's a considered a sister ship to there's, there's three boats like Royal Star, just the hull specs, if you will, the American Angler, Player Supreme, and Royal Star. But Royal Star has bunch of unique integral features it was built by ted dunn who was a he was a a, a, a commercial fisherman who he partnered with frank on royal star and and i think ted intended on spending quite a bit of time on royal star because he he added a lot of features that 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 really set that boat apart uh, you know an internal stabilizing system the integral construction the framing the the, the whole material you know how that boat is built it's just a it's just a tank compared to to you know anything else that's out on the water so it's it's very very specifically designed for what we do and and one thing i can say about royal star and 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 this is you know again it goes back to our philosophy me brandy brian and i but you know a boat a boat doesn't get shouldn't get worse as it gets older it should get better and and in the case of royal star that boat's 10 times the boat today as it was in 1992 when i started running it you know all of the systems that 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 had you know the inevitable deficiencies that that, that, that systems have you know people design those things in boat yards you know half of those guys they don't 
they don't practically apply those things. So, you know, hey, it looks good on paper and then it doesn't really work all that good once you're out there or it doesn't have the longevity. We have replaced, aside from just a couple things, we've replaced just about every system on that boat ourselves applying our knowledge, our practical, you know, working skill set to the, 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 the systems, the mechanical side of the boat, certainly the creature comforts, you know, we've made that boat a hell of a lot better. And, you know, it, it would be hard with, with, with what we have to work with, it would really be difficult to make something better. I, I, I can say that for sure. You know, if I was starting from scratch, building a brand new boat, would I do a few things different? Yeah, I would because, because you know, I know some things now. But but again, taking that platform from from where it was when I got on there in 1992 and, 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 and for what, what it is today, we're, we're, we're proud of her for a reason. You know, we've we put 30 years, I've put 30 something years of blood, sweat and tears into that thing. And, and, and you know, it, it, it shows every day, you know, I walk around and, and, and you know, I've got a little, little internal smile every time walking around going, yeah, I, I remember that. Yeah, we fixed that. Yeah, we got we got on top of that. Yeah, you know, every little thing. And they still pop up from time to time. And it's like, that hits the list, man. That's not going to be like that next year. I guarantee it. You know, we're going to do whatever we can to make that better, et cetera. Gang, let me show you a little bit about Tim's boat real quick. Why we got him here. Check out. Hold on. Finished it off looking at the staterooms there. How many of those bitchin' bedrooms do you have on the boat? I donned my hat here, man. Sun actually came out. We had a, we had a gray morning. Um, so there's there's there are ten staterooms altogether. Okay. Two man two man staterooms. There's twelve. Sorry, the two upstairs. There's twelve staterooms altogether. Actually, thirteen, but our cooks are are, are they occupy one of them. So. But there are 12, 12 staterooms that accommodate two anglers each. So our maximum number of anglers that we carry is 24. But many of our trips, we carry less. You know, it just depends on if it's a charter group sometimes. Or the longer trips, we pare it down. The longer the trip, the, 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 we pare down the load to 16, 18, 20. It just depends, again, on, on the length of the trip. And a lot of the charter groups prefer to fish with a few less anglers at the rail. They'll cut it down to 20 or 18, which is incredibly comfortable, as you can imagine. That's a, that's a great number of anglers to fish with on that boat. How long is the boat? So she's 92 overall, and that's the tip of the anchor to the, you know, the back rail. It's, it's on the document, it's 82.6, and that's at the waterline. So, you know, you got 90 feet of deck space up there. And then how wide is it? 
it's 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 again it's it's 92 by 25 on the document it's 82 by 22. And what's this picture? Where are you guys at? What are you doing? That's Who's my that? boy. That, that that's my son Duke. At, at uh, he and I at, at Guadalupe Island back in I want to say maybe two thousand eight, something like that. I I threw you a couple more pictures too of him present day. I I think that 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 we took on the uh, we took on the last trip he was on back in July. So we get a uh, we get a look at the progression of time if you have those other pictures of him. I have so many pictures. I don't know what they are of, but. What's this picture of? That's, that's a big yellowfin. Yeah, it's a big, beautiful yellowfin. And and the guy, the the angler, um, Martin. I'm trying to remember his last name. I, I would remember, but he's he's from uh, he's from Holland, so I, I couldn't pronounce his, his his last name even when it was sitting in front of me. But that was a great catch. That was uh, that catch was made. You know, it was somewhere around the the uh, the Trace Marias Islands. You know, like maybe three four years ago. That picture of the salmon is that your son? No, that's me. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was another one of my one of my exploits. You know, my my brother and I, I told you he's in the fishing industry also, and he he lived in Alaska for many years. We owned a couple salmon boats up in Alaska, so I spent a few months for for you know about seven or eight years going up there and fishing salmon, fishing lingcod. In the summertime, I'd go up there and fish the openers with him. It was something cool to do, something different. Got oh, to, yeah. You know, got to get my 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 feet wet up north and fish for i used to break those guys balls all the time call them cheese eaters used to fish for cheese eaters but they're actually they're actually great fish man i had a i had a ball up there this is a fish that i got to catch a couple of years ago in florida that looks like you're in florida too fishing in the canals there that's exactly pretty, where we were pretty bitching little fish huh yeah you know my my son who's, who's he's quite the baseball player you know, we, we would go to tournaments back there in Florida, and he he, he never failed to bring fishing rods. And, and that just so happened we were staying at Airbnb, and that was right off the back porch. Nice. In that, I yeah. was blown away when I saw my first one right there, so easily accessible that we could go catch them in our backyard. We were using tilapia. Were you using bait, or were you fishing lures? That was top water there. Okay. A little like like a Zara spook kind of thing, but they're, those things are touchy. We we I've I've seen a hell of a lot of them back there, and they they're smart, man. They're not easy to catch. You know, you'd think they'd just be super aggressive and eat everything, and they don't, man. They're 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 clever. You throw out a tilapia though, they'll eat it all day <laughs> on the forty pound boy. <laughs> I believe that. I believe that because oh, I'm a bait guy. I'm I'm like the the guy that showed me the fish. He was like Dave. Um, do you want to fish with bait or do you want to fish with lures? I was like, there's bait. He goes, well, I'll throw net. I'll catch you some tilapia. I go, yeah, let's, I want a bait fish. I don't yeah, want, one of those. <laughs> I want to go catch a whole bunch of these. But speaking of bait, that brings us back that one video where you're looking at 400 scoops of bait. I talk about bait all the time on my podcast. I talk about it on my uh, website, bait, 400 scoops. Really? How long does it take you guys to load bait at the bait barge in San Diego? How long? You know, it's about, you know, for a, for a full load, obviously there's some moving if we got to go to different boxes and the like, but I mean, we can swing that on in an hour, hour and 15 minutes. It goes okay. pretty quick. Yeah. And then and it, it's more than enough, you know, needless to say, it's more than enough. If you're judicious in, 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 in application, you've got, more than enough bait for for any trip you know be it a 10 day 12 day 15 day i mean the vast majority of the trips we actually return with bait 
because you know we like to just we 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 always try to keep at least one tank that we as our as our reserve you know we kind of rat hole that thing and 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 keep it for the keep it for the next trip or the next trip in case there's there's bait issues back home but yeah i mean we've, we've got huge bait capacity all three of those tanks that that i was talking about that you know the, the ones we use for rsw we either use them for bait or rsw they're they're we can use them for anything um typically what we do is we start we've got our four tanks on top on the deck we've got two in the bow and then we've got the three in the in the stern we'll put bait in two of the three and then we'll start the one for with the rsw and 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 then as soon as that tank is full of fish or we use enough bait on top that we transfer the bait from one of the tanks below deck back up top then we switch to that other tank over and turn it into an rsw hold also until we you know either reach the end of the trip or the tanks are full or you know whatever whatever happens to to, to make a switch over to the next one and then think about this the people are watching in texas or florida or something they can't comprehend what we're talking about bait. we have a bait company in san diego and in dana point that is like unbelievable the everingham brothers bait company the the product that they bring us to fish with is absolutely incredible can you touch on that for just a few minutes especially from the world you come from yeah i mean for us that really is i mean the signature of the southern california style sport fishery what 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 differentiates this fishery from every other in the world is is the live bait that we have access to there and, and the live bait capacity not only do we have a huge quantity of bait to to put on the individual hooks but we've got a surplus that's that's 50 times what we put on the hooks and we use that bait to attract other fish in we'll actually throw that bait over the side as as chum to attract fish to to, to get them fired up and in a biting mood um I, I can't tell you what a difference that makes you know certain species in particular but you know that's again what differentiates our fishery from all others in the world you know we'll we'll roll in on a school of tuna uh and and you know if you if you've got you know just baits to throw out on the hook okay great you know you throw your bait out there and maybe one of those tuna will peel off or you'll hook one or two and then they just keep right on going well we roll into that we've got 15 18 anglers who throw baits out with hooks in them and then we're throwing another you know three or four scoops or, or, or whatever quantity it takes to get the attention of the fish, all of a sudden, you know, those, those tuna are swimming along and they look up and there's sardines raining down on their head, you know, shooting off in every direction. You can imagine what it, kind of reaction it elicits, you know, they're, they're, they're ready to go, man. <laughs> and they're they, fired up. they're fired up and they want to know where it's coming from. And so they keep they go right to the source, you know, and if, if, if you're doing it right, when you're, when you're chumming them, it's like feeding chickens walking across the yard, you know, you sprinkle a little here, a little there. And pretty soon, you know, once the boat stopped and you're still hitting, hitting the same spot in the water and off the, off the, you know, the downwind corner, all that fish is concentrated right there to where, you know, that angler that, that, that has his bait on a hook, he can, you know, he doesn't have to set it in the water and let it swim off a long way, man. He sets it in the water and bam, there's a fish right there. It hits it. And, you know, in, in, in many cases, you actually see it happen, which is about the greatest thing on earth. But, you know, that's the whole idea. And that, that, that again, it's, it's, it's what differentiates our fishery from many others. There, there, there's no other boats that are designed like ours are that, that, that are designed with that kind of bait capacity. Um, you mentioned Everingham Brothers, which is the pre premier live bait company in the world there's there's no other that even compares 
level of sophistication in both the, the, the methods they use to capture and transfer the live bait onto their boats, as well as their facilities that they maintain, that they offload the live bait into, and then maintain actually what we call cure the bait out. Because it gets, no matter what, it's, it's somewhat traumatic for that fish to get caught and in a net and then transferred to a tank and then transferred back out to another tank. It takes a few days for it to settle down and, 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 and get perfectly healthy again. But those those receivers we call them they're they're you know basically a floating cage, um, that the, the way they maintain them, how they've designed them. I mean, there's just nothing there's nothing else in the world that even compares. They're 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 the world's premier live bait company, and they're actually. I mean, I've said it many a times. They're not a partner per se. They're not you know like, like business wise. You know, we don't we don't share the books. We're not partners, but but they're our partners because without them, we don't have a fishery, and without us, they don't have a fishery. So. We're, we're partners in the success of this this fishery overall. Right. It's a it's a very symbiotic relationship with the bait companies that they're an integral part of our whole operation. And when I got people that come from Texas or from Florida to come fishing with us, they want to spend time just looking at that. Because in San Diego, it's about an eighth of a mile long if you lined them, both of them up together. It's a mind-boggling amount of uh, real estate holding just our bait. Yeah, in the harbor. Uh, there's got to be what I, I want to say. There's there's probably north of two hundred or two hundred fifty different boxes. I think total. I may be I may be wrong on that number, but it, it's a lot. You know, pretty I mean? close. It's got to be pretty damn close. Somewhere in that neighborhood, it's a lot. And each one, you know, when it when it's at, at capacity, will hold at least you know 50, 80 scoops of bait. So, but it's a big fleet of boats, you know, and that, that's the magic of, of of of. And there are several other live bait companies too in Southern California, but Everingham is is the biggest and most sophisticated. And their ability to maintain that supply of bait, because you know you got a fleet of boats, sixty boats, fifty boats that are turning over. Every three days, every day and a half, a nightly, half-day boats. I mean, there's, you know, probably north of 30, 40 boats a day that are visiting that receiver that are drawing from it. And, again, in, in order to keep that that ideal bait, you know, where they have bait that's cured available so it lives once you you, you bring it out on, on, on your fishing trip, it's a, it, it, it's a hell of an art. Um, it, it, it's not something to be – it's not something to be um, – what certainly not something to be unappreciated, but it, it, it's, it's not something to be underestimated either. The, the, the scope of, of, of that, the scope of that task, the scope of those combined tasks, you know, again, maintaining that, that, that quality bait at, on that scale is it's, you know, it's, it's, it's worthy, man. Those guys are really, really, they earn their respect as far as I'm concerned. They're phenomenal fishermen. They're fishing every night. They're fishing every single night gang. Those, there's a bait boat out there every single night catching that bait. Yep. Because we're all coming to the barge in the morning. Now you're, but we got another 150, 200 boats every morning setting their private boaters, too, that want that. It's yeah, cool. That, right. That, too. Exactly. I didn't even mention them. Yeah. We're setting in a line. That's eighth of a mile, half a mile long. Boats setting in line waiting for the gold, waiting to get some of that gold put in our we're not going out like in Florida. The thing about Florida or Texas, you guys can throw the net. We're not allowed to. It's against the law here in California. First of all, we can't do it. Second of all, we don't have those shallow areas to throw the net anyway. If you 
like Florida or Texas, they have those big flat areas where the water's 15 feet forever. We don't have that here on the West Coast. You can drive a half mile out and be in thousand feet of water, right? Yeah, and even you know, even close to the beach, you know, with the surf action and but but where where the majority of that bait is, it doesn't get up in there shallow enough. You know, a throw nut, you're not going to be successful. You're, you're just not. It's gonna it's gonna sink out. You know, this the instant that net hits the surface, two they go straight down and and you know, I mean, you'd be lucky to get one or two. So it is it it it, it is a it's it's an essential that cannot be overemphasized, and you know it's an essential component of, of the success, and 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 is obviously it, it it's as in it's is as important to the history of, of of this fishery as you know the boats, the icons, the you know it, the, the the live bait is is it's not secondary, it's right alongside as as a primary contributor to the to the success and and and, and the history of this fishery. Yeah, like I say all the time to my members, you guys aren't dragging around thousands of gallons of water up and down the, the coast because you want to drag down the beach. It is necessary for this industry and for what we do. That live bait is it. It's it. it the whole thing revolves around bait. The whole thing. You and I talked about before the show. I'm so happy that I don't have to stress over that because on top of all the other things you have to stress over, you also have to stress about your bait. Is my bait going to live? Is my bait going to live through the five water change temperature changes as I drive down there? On, and it's just so much to put into the whole thing. And then we people ask me all the time, why are there so many boats waiting in line for bait? Why don't you just go catch your own? It's not like that. It's just not like that. It's not a thing that we can just go catch our own bait. Yeah, it's just as simple as that. You just you just can't. I mean, reliably, you can't. That's the other thing is that you know the fact that you can roll up to a you can roll up to a, a, a location that that you know ninety nine point nine days of a, out of a hundred has that bait on demand right there. You know, think of the time that saves. Think of the effort that saves, whether it's for the private boat or, you know, for the big boat, you know, could we go make our own bait? We could. And, and I can tell you we could because we did when we were down in Panama. We brought a bait net. We brought a, we brought a, a you know, a par net. We brought a skiff. You know, we hired guys to go out with us, you know, as, and, and help us make our sets and so on and so forth. But it was, you know, we, we had the one year we had five trips down there twice. It was a three-day affair. You know, we put three days between the trips for a reason. You know, things don't always go like you expect them to. <laughs> you know, just drive out and set it and load up, man. <laughs> like I can tell you that from personal experience. You know, sometimes, sometimes it takes a few tries. You know, a few swings at, or you know, you set the net out and you snag a damn tree, or you know, whatever. There's a lot of things that can happen that you just don't even have to. You don't even have to 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 factor into the equation with that bait sitting there in those boxes at the at the receivers. Right. It's, it's it's an incredible fishery. We're so blessed to be involved in this whole thing. Both of us growing up in the industry, there's just nothing like it. And at the level that you got to do it and the level I got to do it, it's just, it's uncomprehensible. We try to pass the story on to our viewers as much as we possibly can. I'm so blessed that you were with us today and that you were able to share some of your experience with us. Uh, last week or the week before you were talking about and, I, and then I'm going to let you go, but you were talking about these knife jigs and how dangerous they are. And you were going to talk about that for a little bit. And we were going to try to talk about it today. I know we've just talked about so much stuff, but your thought on this is so smart 
And then I think you guys are going to implement. I think you guys talked about implementing on the boat. You don't need 900 hooks hanging off that thing, right? Yeah, you don't. And, and, you know, I'm not at the forefront of this. I'm, I'm, I'm in the, I'm in the mix and, and, you know, there, there's a number of us as operators now that, that have just dropped the hammer on hanging the, the, the hooks off the top part of the jig. You know, we really have not determined those hooks to be the, the, the reason we're catching fish. You know, I mean, maybe, maybe one out of 20 or something like that, maybe a top hook, you know, has the thing, but the vast majority of the time, those top hooks, they're not in the fish, they're on the bottom hook and, and, what happens, you know, especially this night fishing, because, yeah, sometimes you catch them one at a time, but a lot of times when, when they hit you, they hit you. You know, everybody's got one on. It's crazy. And, you know, it's a 100-pounder, 120-pounder, and you land that thing. And then and then one of the guys or I, we go down to, to, to do our thing and spike that fish, and, you know, it's moving. And if you just even graze that sweet spot, it'll it'll make it jump. You know, there's a little jump almost every time, and sometimes you get it perfect. But regardless, you you have a jig that's that's eight inches long or ten inches long, and it has those two just razor sharp hooks off the top of it, and it's flopping around. That thing, you know, whips its head one time while you go to spike, it and you know the rest. And I know those things; they're merciless, man. I mean, you know, I like almost every one of us now has been as as either fished those damn hooks out of themselves out of one of their crew members, out of somebody who walked by and inadvertently caught one in the Achilles heel. I mean, you know, the, the list goes on. So, you know, and, and, and me, me being one of them. And then a couple trips ago, one of my guys being one of them and, you know, and everybody, I mean, the first night I was out in the last trip, somebody, you know, SOS, Hey man, you guys, I know you got some bolt cutters over there. You know, can I borrow them? You know, my guys is a, you know, giant hook through his head. It's just, it's the same story every time. So, you know, the moral of it is, don't use the top hooks anymore. You know, we just have to, this, this is a matter of safety at, at this point. And, and nobody that I know of has been, you know, gravely hurt, but dude, it's a matter of time before right. somebody really gets jacked up, you know, it goes through a nerve or something and somebody loses function in their hand. I mean, it's just not worth it. It's not, you know, if you're going to, if you, if you lose a fish every once in a while because of it, so what, you know, you'll get another one, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like the, 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 yeah. safety, the safety certainly is the safety plus is certainly warranted in, in, in making that a general policy. And I know that, that that's, it's, it's a done deal on Royal star. You know, if we, we see those hooks on the top, we, we, it's not even a matter, not, not that we get any pushback, but you know, it's, it's like we, we encourage anglers. Hey, don't, don't put those on there. And, and like I said, nobody's going to go, no, damn it. I'm going to fish with them anyway. I mean, everybody takes them off, but you know, if, if, if there were a case of somebody being stubborn about it, you know, those things wouldn't be on there anyway. They would just disappear. <laughs> yeah. Cause at the end of the day, captain, captain, captain wins every argument. Yeah, exactly. And that's not one that, that's not one that's, that, that, that takes much persuasion. You know what I mean? It's just, it, it's just makes common sense. So yeah, I, I think that, uh, I think that we're all going to be a hell of a lot better off for it. Yeah. I told you we would talk about a little bit. We just kind of got so much going on and you and I could keep this going, but I already had you for an hour and a half and I know you have a life and you're on land right now. And I'm sure you got 9 million things to do. So thank you so much. All of my viewers, everybody wants to thank you. I said so many people were watching so many comments. I want to thank you so much, Tim. This has been a wonderful, wonderful show. We'll definitely have you back. We'll talk more about fishing and, more about your boat next time. We talked about so much stuff today. That was incredible. Thank you. 
Hey, you know what? It's my pleasure. And, and, and please invite me back. I, I, I love doing this kind of stuff. I love sharing the knowledge that, that, you know, I've acquired over the years and, and you can probably tell, man, I mean, we didn't even get into it. I love telling fish stories, man. We could get going and, 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 and swap tales about crazy stuff that, 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 that we've seen and done that, that, that could, you know, entertain you and I and everybody else for a long, long time. So don't hesitate to invite me back, man. I really enjoyed myself. I love it. So get Tim, do you got any trips available? Royal star? How do they get a hold of you? What do they want to do? How real quick? I'm really glad you brought that up because it, I just got a call before the show. Tracy, our, our office manager, told me that we had an angler had to drop off the trip departing tomorrow. It's a four-day trip. We have one opening on it. It's been chock-sock full. It's actually sponsored by Let's Talk Hookup. Um, it's been chock-sock full forever. And again, this angler just dropped off today. So we have one spot on this trip departing tomorrow. It's a four-day trip. It cuts back on Wednesday. Uh, if you if you have the opportunity to jump on, give Tracy a call, 619-224-4764. We do, if, if you want to follow along on our website, Royal Star Sport Fishing, we do have an online booking platform on there. We have trips up already for, for next year. We do have our, our 2024 schedule completed. And basically what Tracy does is she posts the trips. As soon as this trip gets in, she posts the next trip that 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 is uh, – she posts the next trip that, that's on the schedule for the following year. Obviously, the people that are on this trip that that are on the current trip have first priority as far as rebooking next year goes. But she's she's posting those trips up as they as they 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 click off, and then we'll we'll put the whole schedule up by the end of August. But anyway, going back to it, if you do want to book a trip, give Tracy a call. And many a times on our online platform. If there's a trip you want to go on, it'll it'll say that it's full on there. But if it's if that's the one that fits your dates perfectly and it's the right one for you, give her a call because she does she does keep a waiting list on on each trip, and she's able to work miracles. You know, things happen. Uh, a lot of times we get we get a lot of bookings early because anglers getting off the boat. You know, we've got about a eighty percent, eighty five percent repeat customers that, that that come fishing with us on on the trips every year. But, you know, things come up, guys jump on right away, they make a reservation, and then something comes up where there's a conflict, so they'll have to drop off. So now's a great time to get your name on the list. Even if it says that it's full, give her a call and get your name on the list. And then what a great opportunity. If someone has four days that they can split from work and go fishing, I mean, everything's happening right now. It doesn't yeah. much better than it is right now. Yeah, it's a great time, you know, between the, the, the bluefin out west and this yellowfin that's showing more and more. There's a few yellowtail, even a few dorado now and the kelps that are, that are showing out in front of Ensenada. So it's a great time. And key, it's going to be epic weather for the next four days. Beautiful offshore everywhere. So, you know, that that alone is, is, is enough to roll the dice on. Right. And then that boat is like a beautiful floating hotel with some of the ph most phenomenal food you could ever imagine. We never even talked about that. We could go on forever. We'll be here forever, but you guys have some spectacular chefs on there. In, indeed. It's just yet another component. You know, it's been part of our history on, on, on the boat. So we'll, we'll get into that next time. All right. Thanks, Tim. Thanks everybody. Make sure you give her Tracy a call. Talk to you later. Everybody. See ya. Thanks you.